Welcome along to another episode of the Make Life Work podcast, the home edition. So this week, I've asked along a good old friend, Stephen Turvey-Wright. So Stephen and I go, Stephen, sorry, go right back into my previous job. I've worked with him for several years, worked with him directly on a few things as well. Uh, which we'll go into a little bit more. Stephen's also a fellow Derby County fan, born and bred, I guess, from Derby as well. Um, And he also travels down to London from the Midlands, like myself. So there's probably going to be plenty of overlap with how we are coping right now. Time to get on with it, I guess. How are you doing, Stephen? Yeah, not bad. We'll clear up that uh, I am actually born and bred on the Isle of Wight, 20 years. Uh, I moved to Derby 16 years ago, so... I've managed to hide amongst you fellow Darbarians um, so well, in fact, that you thought I was from Derby, so I guess I'm doing something right to be accepted. The accent comes out, the dialect occasionally, you're at me duck, you know. It, it happens, yeah. It depends on what mood I'm in, how tired I am, if I'm hungry or not, if I've had a beer, you either get a up me duck or you're right, mate, how you doing? So yeah, the dialect is quite loose. It's What's weird is when I say a up me duck, but I say it in a southern accent and that does freak people out i concur i think with my mix of birmingham background derby heritage and working in london a lot my accent is everywhere <laughs> it's crazy so um let's, let's tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in, a, in your day-to-day job yeah so i work for asos which is where we work together i am an incident and problem manager uh, based on the fact that this is a tech-based podcast. I'm often seen as the uh, the gatekeeper or the uh, the conduit of information between customer and uh, tech within service management. I've been with ASOS coming up to five years. I've been in I've been an incident manager for nearly nine, and started on the service desk and worked my way up really. So you've been a lot more hands-on from a customer perspective rather than from a tech perspective, I guess. Yeah, 100%. When I had my interview for my service desk job years and years and years ago, I was asked what I know about computers. And I basically said, I can play football manager. And I'm really good at it. But um, the reason that, that I was brought in was more on a, my customer experience background growing up, um, working in pubs and restaurants and things like that. And it was just a case of I'm not going to be a rock and roll star and I can't be a barman all my life. So let's try and find a inverted commas proper job. We well, did in five years coming by the sound of it as well. That's, that's a hell of an achievement in, especially in tech in London. Yeah, it's been, it's been a long old trek. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was offered a redundancy following a relocation for the company that I worked in in Derby and just thought it was an opportunity to look at other things, look at a different pace of life. There's always been a bit of an ambition to move to London. And it was something that was in the pipeline with going for the job in London. And it didn't come to fruition, but I've got that balance of my London life and my Derby life. So adjusting to working from home, albeit the, the eight or nine weeks it's been, it has been a bit of a shock for me, really. So we might as go straight into that then. So when lockdown came were you already remote working or was it kind of as it happened so i kind of split my time between london and derby both commuting and staying down um stay down with friends two or three nights a week work from home once a week and then back to derby if ever there's a football match or i've run out of clean clothes in my bag um so i was splitting my time split my time quite 
effectively. I still always consider myself to, to live in Derby and I've never cancelled my season ticket. You know, the house is the, the house is in, in Derby. So it was a happy combination of the two. I was either in London all the time in the office and then heading back home or, you know, commuting and working remotely. So it was kind of a, a one or two days a week working from home anyway. That's the, the process that we've got and, they, you know, they've encouraged working remotely on the odd occasion um so it was just a case of ramping that up really when we uh when we went into this new situation and how are you finding it now that you've what did you say eight weeks now that you've been at home so i'm someone that likes to keep busy um i found myself finding more things to do work related when i've been at home than i have when i'm in the office in the office it's easy to pop over and have a chat to somebody, you know, even if it's, it's not work related, it's always um, good for your office persona or, you know, your perception is to be outgoing and speak to people. But without having that, you've got to find yourself a little bit more to do. I work on call. That's um, increased a little bit more over the, the, the past couple of weeks. I've uh, just been covering other folk just in order to keep myself busy, keep myself switched on and make sure that, I'm occupied in my head because for me, the, the mental state of myself, really, um, my own mental well-being. I have to be busy. I have to be occupied. I'm often an overthinker. So if I don't have anything to overthink because I'm busy, then I'm fine, really. Okay. So I know, I know that other people at ASOS have been offered furlough. Um, obviously, it's, everyone's each to their own. But would that, would, have, would that have actually satisfied you or would you prefer to have... I don't know. Can you tell me, how do you feel about that? I couldn't be furloughed. Um, I thought about this and would I take it? I've had, I've had friends who have been offered it and they've loved every moment of it. They've taken up hobbies or a really good friend of mine. He used to be a uh, carpenter and he's moved into health and safety. He's been furloughed by his job and the amount of stuff he's done around the house, you know, he's, he's made drawers out of, two foot spaces underneath stairs he's made bars he's made bird cages um he's he's the amount of wood he's got through you know it suited him but for myself i would really have to stay focused and i think i would bore myself to death if i was furloughed i've got a week's annual leave next week i was meant to be um going away mm. and i'm already looking at what i can do to occupy myself you know there's a fence that needs painting I've, I've even been wondering if I can dig up the garden and do the patio myself uh, much against my own judgment because I've, I've never used a spade in my life <laughs> I, keep saying, I keep saying I need to buy a drill um, I've never drilled a hole in my life so uh, yeah come come back in a couple of weeks and see how the house is looking and see how my mental state is looking and then we can say that but I do think I, I, I do think I would have struggled personally if I was furloughed I'm not that kind of guy um, I don't get bored in my own company, but it's, there's, there's work, Steve, and there's home, Steve, and they are mm. very different people. And, and I think it would have been hard to have switched off one or the other for a long period of time. I know from working with you, you're quite a proactive person. You're not someone to sit on your laurels or just be bored or complacent in your role. You'll be up and about trying to make sure things are in, are in good shape. And it's in your persona as well. There's full of energy when you do it, right? It's not like you're, 
yeah, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. You are pretty much, no, no, hang on. How do we preempt this next time as well? So yeah, I just, I feel like, yeah, you, you, like you say, I'd be like you, I'd be bored. I don't, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be able to sit there just reading, chilling, watching TV. People are saying I've got through so many box sets through this lockdown. That sounds like my nightmare. I'd be like, give me something to do. I can, re- I can relate to that because one habit I have found myself, and I don't normally do it when I work from home, but knowing that I'm working home from a long, for a prolonged period, I have had the TV on in the background and I've tried to make sure it's been nothing too intense. So I've got through so much Taskmaster, just watching it in the background. Good choice. Um, the only, <laughs> sometimes I'll be sat there thinking, how would I do that? I was watching, I think I was watching Paul Chowdhury pop some balloons on a washing line and I was thinking, how would I do that differently? That's, that's kind of become the thing. So, you know, sat working, because my role is a reactive role in as much that we run major incidents if there are any. If there aren't any, it's trying to keep yourself busy. So I do find myself having to run two or three at a t- time and, and being really under the cosh and... Yeah. This is, this is within the office as well. So if I've got two or three incidents, I'm allowed, I say allowed, it's not frowned upon if I then have an hour just respite and breathe and I will go and relax. And like I say, I will put myself out there and have a chat about stuff to take my mind off it. You have to. I mean, if you were in the office, you would not be sitting on your computer doing work for nine hours straight. You would be getting up, go to the toilet, go to get a drink, and chat to someone on the way back. So having some, you know, background noise with Paul Chowdhury talking about popping balloons, it's probably not a bad thing, to be fair. And it's a lot more cheerful than the news, let's say. Uh, yeah, that's one thing I, I have done. I, I used to be big into watching the news, not in a sit down and the whole family keep, if my imaginary family, I haven't got a family, but if I haven't, <laughs> they'd all be sat. Um, it's just, I've turned that off. I've turned the news off. You know, there are... There are updates every day and we get told a lot of stuff that doesn't change anything. Um, so I have really kind of condensed my news watching. Uh, not in a negative way. It's not that I don't believe the news or I don't appreciate it, but I, it's one thing I've, I've really done. I think for my own sanity, I've, I've kind of shut that element of the outside world out. I've, I've been exactly the same. I've, it didn't even happen at covid time is probably six months ago i found like even on the commute back into the office in the car radio forward come on with the news and it would just be complete negative irate angry politics it did me no good so i just ended up turning it off listening to radio Two, some twee phone in from a family member saying can you say happy birthday to my nan so much more cheerful though right yeah you often find as well that those kind of news broadcasts there's never any good news it's, it's bad news or no news, but they always have to make news. So how good would it be if you just had the six o'clock, you had the bong, and then you had Hugh, what's what his chance, just sat there saying, no news today, guys. And that's good news. Look, that's- there's a cat jumping around a fence. That's more news, right? <laughs> Trevor McDonald, and finally. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be wonderful. I, just, I, want, I want a day where the six o'clock news starts and finally and goes beyond ridiculous afterwards because nothing bad's happened and they haven't even been able to make anything bad up that would make me happy or it's not exactly news because it's the same every day at the moment so here's some actual news someone's done something wonderful for someone else you know yeah i've got this theory that 
something happens and it stays in the news for no longer than 7.4 days. You know, do you remember that dam in Derbyshire that was all set to burst and Boris came up and put his hard hat on and there were cameras everywhere. We don't know if that dam burst or not. We, we, don't, we don't even know if that village is real, but it was there and it happened. And Australia's, Australia's bushfires as well. Is it, are they still going? Have they turned it into a barbecue? You know, no one actually, there's this rule. And I said, and this is probably the second most foolish thing I've ever predicted. I said, oh, don't worry about COVID. It'll be done in 7.4 days. And here we are, 7.4 weeks later. It, it, it just gets you down, doesn't it? So yeah, turn that off. We don't, need, we don't need someone else to bring us down. There's enough going on in the house to potentially knock yourself down anyway. Exactly. You mentioned earlier your family arrangements. So you're living on your own or do you have you got your partner with you? How, how's, it, how's it working at the moment? So a complicated one for me. Um, right. My fiance and I split and we've oh. kept the house together. So obviously with me sp- splitting my time between London and Derby, there was enough respite. We've kind of been thrown together again um, under lockdown. We get on as mates, which is re- really good. She's currently downstairs working still. And I, you know, book meetings in, in the kitchen so that I can make a cup of coffee when she's out of her meetings and stuff like that. It's been, it's been fine. It's been amicable. That's good. Um, it's a, it is a weird one. I was listening to um, the podcast you did last week and I was sat there going, it's quite similar this. The music, yeah. The love of beer, yeah. You know, the living situation, similar close and I was like he's gonna have a carbon copy so oh no I have to keep it slightly different (laughs) I'm separated but we still live together that must be interesting you you make a point you've got to share this space with your partner right while we're all trying to work normally my wife's a teacher she's downstairs right now recording some content for a a lesson and I'm like well I'll have to disappear upstairs and then book in we're trying to coordinate our calendars to make sure we're not clashing too much it's becoming a logistical nightmare some days yeah, and I think the one thing that, that comes that I won't miss is that burning question is, what's for lunch? <laughs> the same old. I've got this, yeah, we've, you know, there's a group of lads at work, probably about five or six of us, any two or three of us in a Venn diagram at any given time all want the same thing, whether it's a Greek or a burger or a pizza. Um, so, you know, we, we just say, go in here for lunch, anyone come in and every single day what's for lunch what's for lunch? and i'm bored of omelets as well um i love i love an omelet but yeah it's, it's just the easiest and quickest thing to i've got a meeting in 10 minutes so i'll make an omelet then yeah what's quick and easy i had to do the same <laughs> today i had a meeting around lunchtime as well someone put it in and i had to go to the car i was like i need to get some milk i need to get some bread and some essentials and then i had to run back and make it so i literally just went crush there you go quick sandwich and then back in the meeting <laughs> yeah i'm just going to put on record that people that put meetings in between the hours of 12 to 12.30, uh, 12 to one thirty, are the worst people in the world. I mean, I appreciate it's difficult to coordinate sometimes, but it should just be blanket. No, you just don't do lunchtime meetings. Or if you do, going, I'm expecting to decline. If not, thanks ever so much. I've actually had it where people have put in a meeting at eight o'clock in the morning the night before, after I've finished work, and I don't start until nine. And, oh, were well, you not on the meeting this morning? I still hate the people that put meetings at more than that. I've got a genuine valid excuse then. I can say, oh, I'm really sorry. I didn't see your meeting invite because it came after hours and it, the meeting started before I started work. So I am really sorry I didn't see it. People who put meetings in, they know. They should know. 
it's the only time I had free. Well, there's a reason it was the only time everyone had free. It's because they want to go to the pub and have a cheeky pint because they've had a real day from hell and they don't want to be in the office at 12.30. So that's why it's free in everyone's diaries. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a firm believer that there's a, there's, a, there's a special corner in hell for people who put meat in <laughs> Oh, mate, I, I empathise on that. So we've talked a little bit about work, what you're trying to do at the moment, your personal sort of setup. Um, what do you think is going to come next? You know, what, what, what do you think will be the best next guess for you after, you know, yesterday's announcements, for example? So for me, I think the one thing that I'm not sure, I'm, I'm scared and excited in equal measures about this phrase that's being banded around, the new normal. Mm. I've never been part of the old normal. So it will be interesting to see how people subscribe and sign up and get on board with this new normal because it's happening in our lifetime. You know, there's been a slow evolution, how things have changed. You know, I've, I've gone from working in a managed service um, provider where there's strict SLAs and, you know, client adherence to working for a company as fun and flexible as ASOS. And it's, there's the evolution of things, but I think to have this massive change in one go will be a massive shock to the system. There's been a seamless move for myself personally and to the majority of people I've worked, uh, I've spoken to both friends and colleagues about working remotely. Um, What does work for some doesn't work for others, but, I, going forwards, I think the one thing I can see is potentially either a little bit more flexibility with the remote working. I'd be in, all I want to start seeing now is all these people that spend hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds on big pointless ornaments for their reception in their massive offices that they use to impress everybody. They'll be looking at that now and saying, half of our workforce is at home. So they're not going to see this dolphin carrying a border collie while looking at a photograph of border collie. But and there, there they are. You, you, you go around Liverpool Street and you just have a little sneaky look into some of these offices and there's a thousand marbles held up by string. You know, I think, the, I think that will change. I think that will change a hell of a lot. I think the, I think the office space will become a lot more, your favourite word from us working together, a lot more agile. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I thought you'd like that but I, I do I think I think once this is all gone and we are back to the new normal having your own desk will be a thing of the past hot desking will become the the thing and if we are affording 20 30 40 percent of our workforce to work from home you've got to be looking at space and what you're doing with that space and how you're utilizing that we're, do, we're making a lot of changes to our meeting rooms at the moment we've never had enough meetings and with the position of coming back in with social distancing, we've got too many meeting rooms. I can't see how that will be the case forever because companies will continue to, to grow, but space will be the big one, I think. And, and social interaction as well. We've been looking at various different options for rotors for coming back into the office. And I've worked out that there's a certain person on a different shift. That means I, w- I won't ever see them. Oh no. And we work in the same team. It's, it's one of the options, you know, it's, it's not set in stone, but if you think about doing, I'll do week what even weeks and your, your chapters odd weeks, you'll never get to see each other. And it'd be interesting to see how that would work. But all in all, I think what's next is just, I think there'll be more consideration to personal life mm. 
coming out of this. I, I'm quite fortunate in that if I do require working from home for a day or two, it isn't questioned. I'll say to my boss, can I work from home? And in the back of my head, because I overthink things and I second guess things, I'm sat there thinking, right, I need it for this, this and this, or I've got an order coming that I have to sign for, or I'm going to the dentist and I've, I've got as close as I can to the beginning of the day or the end of the day. And I need to work from home. And I'm always second guessing and I'm second thinking it. And I'm quite fortunate that my boss now, I say, can I work from home for a couple of days? Because, and he'll say, yes. And I'm sat there going, I had a really good reason. I was about to say excuse, but it's always a reason. I had a really good reason for wanting to work from home. And, and for me, I'm quite fortunate, but there will be people that aren't in that position. And I think considering, I'd like to think that consideration for humanity and personal need. Well-being. Will, yeah, need and well-being will really come out of this. It'd be nice. We've, we've all had to go through this. It'd be nice if, if that was a, a, a real positive thing to come out of it. I think you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the, always the optimist that the good will come out of all these things, right? And we know reality is not that shiny, let's say. But I think a lot of people are becoming more savvy to the fact that this is not social norms at the moment at all. It's, we have not done this ever before, but you're not allowed to touch your friends like in a huggy way. You're not allowed to kiss your family or any of that stuff. It's just crazy times. I mean, I was at the supermarket yesterday. Some people completely ignore those social norms and just get right behind you, even though I'm wearing a face mask and gloves. All this is weird. Why, why is this even a thing now? But we are going to have to be more aware of things, and it's going to take a while before we get back to a, a reasonable norm, as we call it. That's one thing I really want to keep as well. You know, I went to a funeral whilst we've been in lockdown. It was uh, oh, one, of my, one, of my good, one of my good friends. Um, his mum passed away. I was just as much there for him as anything else. And there was a few of us. And instead of all shaking hands, we, we bumped elbows. And I'm keeping that. I'm keeping that. You, you'll see me in 30 years and everyone, someone goes to shake my hand. I'll be bumping it. You know, do you remember the, the great COVID 2020? <laughs> <laughs> and and shit. And shopping as well. I like it. I mean, I like having a bit of spare. I do, I do that thing where I feel really, I did it today. That thing where I feel, I went down one aisle and it's all one way. And I got halfway down and I realised I'd forgotten something. I had to go back around and I was like, oh. And I had to, you know, nod to the, the person that sat, stood at the door giving out hand sanitizers. I was like, oh, you know, silly me. I've had to go, oh, you forgot the chorizo. Um, and <laughs> the make, classic. Make a real gesture of having to go back around. And uh, I don't mind that. I think there are people who have complained about it, but I, I, I live on a, a new build estate and we have a, a co-op on the uh, estate as well. And somebody, we, we've got a proper Wisteria Facebook group where half the people will be complaining about the fireworks that are going off and the other half will be celebrating them. And, and there was somebody mentioned it uh, a couple of days ago that somebody was giving grief to one of the workers in the co-op and it kind of really, really got to me and really frustrated me. So I went in today um, just, just to get my lunch. I think we do a big shop once a week and then we, we fetch bits as and when mm. that's, that's changed as well. Big shops, big shops have massively changed since, uh, since we've been in this, but the big shop. Yeah. Same. And I'm doing it for three families now. I've got the in-laws and I've got my own parents down the end of the street. So I'm, I'm filling two trolleys every two weeks. Yeah, it's it's crazy as well. I can't be trusted. I popped I pop in for some lunch. I think I went in the other day to get some bits for lunch, and I'd spent seventy quid on booze because it because the sun was shining. So I can't be trusted. 
so I'm not I'm not allowed to go in. But to go back to the story, it was just you know hearing hearing about these guys in the co-op getting grief and it really really got to me and annoyed me so today whilst I was at the counter and it's not I'm not saying it for any other reason other than just trying to appreciate what other people are doing I just went and got them some heroes and some roses and I went to pay for them and as I walked away I went there for you pop them in the staff room and it's nice just to to remind people that they are doing a brilliant job and there's a couple of idiots that will ruin it for everyone, but there's enough goodness in humanity. And you said you're an optimist. I'm, I'm a proper pessimistic realist, but I can still see genuine good. And yeah, it's nice just to, to remind other people that they're doing that as well. Sometimes I guess. You made a point though, that, 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 that the culture is divided. Unfortunately, we're, we're going to have the good and the bad. And it's normally the, the exceptions to the rule that ruin it for everyone else. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm cautiously optimistic, let's say about what, can come out of all this but time will only tell yeah i think that's all it is isn't it this too shall pass and life goes on and every other cliche there is but mm. those two those two for me are the two that are, are proper getting me through you know this too shall pass and you you know you get busy living or you get busy dying so try and make them the most i'm trying to get as many cliches in as i can unintentionally that's enough (laughs) (laughs) it's more than than i haven't said blue sky thinking yet oh don't go there (laughs) no no synergies either um we talked a lot about like work and sort of how you've been coping Uh, but you did mention earlier you're taking a week off next week um so what are you doing to kind of just enjoy your downtime it's good that you've actually booked some time out even if you can't go away what what have you got planned what do you think you can do to you know wind down i don't know really um there's been a couple of things like i said earlier there's a fence that needs painting uh i've signed up to um a fitness and a health thing it's a 21 day challenge it's me v me so it's all your own pace and it's just a case of being conscious of what you eat drink increasing your exercise levels so i'm going into this is the currently day one of week two so for me my last week will be my week on annual leave so i think i'm really going to try and hit that and up my game i've got no motivation to um maintain fitness as far as i'm concerned i hung my football boots 18 months ago and i was gonna be one of those guys that in five years sits on a beach in greece you know with a big beard belly sat there and all what all bought and paid for mate um but i decided that i wasn't ready for that yet um and i've i've struggled with that's that's something that i've really struggled with within um lockdown is eating lovely it's easy to have a glass of wine or a beer or a bottle of aperol which i accidentally might whilst i was sat quizzing with the lads so yeah, I made a conscious decision, you know, hopefully looking at the, the three week timetable for lockdown, it'd be nice to to come out of it feeling as if I've accomplished something. So focusing on that, I imagine. And what about um, entertainment? What, what are you kind of enjoying just uh, to keep the evenings more enjoyable? I've done so much whilst we've been in lockdown. I think probably the first weekend of lockdown, I posted on my Instagram saying, give me some challenges. And I opened it up to all of my followers just saying, tell me what to do. And as long as it doesn't involve, I mean, if we remember when it was going back to the absolute lack of toilet roll, eggs, everything. And, you know, there were people that I made a joke of it. I'll not waste food. I like my food and it's hard to waste food uh, and I'll not do anything that will put me in hospital or, or 
make me be a burden on the NHS. And some of the some of the suggestions I got were amazing. And I really enjoyed it because you'd see it and it'd pop up and it would say, Charlotte says, do a backflip. Now, I'm 36 years old. I don't think I've ever been able to do a backflip. So I tried and I sat in the garden and I I sat in the garden. I, I, I stood in the garden and I tried to do a backflip. I failed miserably. I remember that I used to be able to do a handspring. So I did that and got air. Things like putting on all your clothes in the wardrobe, um, learning the dance. Oh, one of my favourite things, and this is the biggest injustice of, of lockdown, was I learned the dance for Iceland's Eurovision Song Contest entry. Um, if you've not heard it, it's an absolute banger. It's, it's one of the best songs I've ever heard in my life. And oh, mate, we're going to have to cut this in momentarily <laughs> and get in the show notes as well. But it's about the, the singer's kid, and the words are so pure and so beautiful. Um, but it's just such a, a decent bop as well. The, the, the dance is as catchy as all hell and they can't use it next year uh, oh. because that's the rules. So, you know, forget Liverpool not winning the league this season. Iceland not winning Eurovision is the biggest injustice in lockdown. Um, so, yeah, I had to learn that. I've, what else did I do? Things like putting a, a cracker on my forehead and eating it without touching my hands. You know, all the classics. <laughs> classics doing keepy ups with toilet roll and i had and i had to just keep myself busy and entertained and i broke our bin whilst trying to hit a football into it so another reason why i hung my boots up so that was being quite creative with your time i don't think we'd ever be this creative before lockdown no no 100 percent um and as well there's the i don't know if you've seen it on instagram it's doing the rounds at the moment but the 30 day music challenge where there's 30 different song suggestions and you have to pick one. Right, uh, yeah. I've seen a 10-day. I didn't realise it was the 30-day one. Yeah, so I did that for April. And the challenge I set myself, as well as picking a song, was that I had to learn a song that was relevant to the uh, challenge. Mm-hmm. A song that I'd never learned before. So I'd sit in, in my man cave, finish work, grab a guitar, and learn the song. So a song with a colour in the title and I picked Back to Black by Amy Winehouse. I've never played it before in my life. Could never give it any justice in as much that she's got one of the most amazing voices in the world. But because I did this challenge, it gave me an excuse to, to do it. So I learned that. And then there was a song about wishing you'd forget somebody. So I did Bye 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 by NSYNC. And it's a song that I'd never, ever pick. Um, so that was quite fun. And... Yeah, just quizzes, a lot of quizzes. I've hosted quizzes for work, for social. I have partaken in quizzes. I get tagged in quizzes on Facebook, everything football related. I'm a bit of a football buff. Mm-hmm. So I'm the one to beat with between all of our mates. And uh, yeah, a lot of quizzes. The, the book that I've written the notes down in, there's seven pages of, I mean, I've got Sean Massey, Hernan Crespo, Joe Cole, One Matter, you know, just random names, Shaka Hislops in there, you know, <laughs> for no reason. You know, I'm looking through it now. Contagion, What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. Just trying to find all these different <laughs> Lemon, Pinot Noir, Circle and District. So I'm either I'm either learning things or proving how daft I am. Well, you've made a point there, actually, because you, you're in a band, right? So what, what the hell are you doing at the moment with, with your band? Are you actually doing it much to prepare or just what? We've taken a bit of time out prior to this with our singer having um, 
a baby girl. We've never been too into it. We don't take on the role of being in a band as such. We're just two guys that get together and every now and then we'll write some songs, we'll make an album, we'll go out and tour that album, we'll make some videos for the singles and then we'll get on with our life. You know, I used to I used to walk around saying that I was in a band and that I was going to be famous when I was on the service desk for DSA and Derby City Council. <laughs> um, so it was always my job was secondary. And when I realized I wasn't going to make it, I kind of, you know, the band changed and the dynamic of it changed. I'm, I'm my mate's guitarist now and I'm happy with that. And I've always been, I've always been that without realizing. So, you know, we're still, we're still writing. The writing process is, is quite unique to, my limitations he'll write a song with four or five chords and some some um hooks in it and then he'll give the song to me i'll polish it and finish it off give it back to him and then we'll go and record it so right now we're in the process of finishing the second part of the album so he he's working on his bits and every now and then sending them to me and saying you know what do you think of this and i've never said i don't like it because i think he's such a good songwriter so it's fairly easy for him and me and it's a it's a convenient way to write songs so it's my turn to have a break at the moment whilst he works on the the, the basis of the next six songs so you know you're not really missing out too much it's just sort of adapting to the current situation i guess as well as the the singer's baby yeah yeah i mean she's the most beautiful little girl i've ever seen in my life so that's fine. I didn't mind taking a sabbatical for you'll allow it and watching watching her grow, you know, as well. It's been amazing. It's just, it's probably as close as I've got or I've had to that myself. So, you know, she's his daughter, but in our circle of friends, she's all of our daughter. You know, she's, proper she's, Uncle Stephen. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's just it's it's mad. So yeah, I mean, we've been writing songs for her as well. Oh, cute. Um, nice. So, you know, the, the last single on the album that was about her was called My Favourite Summer because um, she was born in June. And as I said, Gareth had written his part and then, or he'd written the song and then passed it to me and I had to write my part. And I'd never felt pressure to put something together for a song because it's a song and it's my part. And if I write it and it doesn't work. I can change it slightly, but I felt an immense pressure and real attention to detail of making sure I got this one right mm. because it was about um, his daughter. And I had, to, it, it was hard. And I ended up going for like, and I remember I ended up going for kind of like a, a Wurlitzer fairground vibe. And it was really what me and my singer did when we were young. We used to go down the local wreck and, and there was always a fairground there. And it just reminded us of our childhood and, and stuff like that. So it was fun. I'm looking forward to getting them. And hopefully, I say hopefully, if the lockdown is extended past this next extension, I'll have them for them and I'll have something to, to crack on with. And it'd be a real nice way to come out of, of lockdown is knowing that we've achieved something that is actually tangible and, and there for all to see because that's what we do we don't write you know i don't write music in the hope that it gets picked up by radio one anymore i write it so that in 16 17 years time or however many years it is i can turn around to my kids and annoy them and say oh dad <laughs> was in a band and on a sunday just played my own album and you know just 
have have drawers full of my own CDs and stuff like that. Like That's exactly you know. why we do it. My, yeah. my son hates the fact I write, make a podcast. He's like, I can't listen to your dad. It's embarrassing. He's, yeah. he's 13. He, he knows how bad it can get. And then, in, in, you know, in, in, in 10, 15 years' time, when he's at his wedding, we'll do it in a podcast style. <laughs> we'll do a wedding edition. <laughs> Brilliant. Right, I think we've run out of time, mate. But it's been an absolute pleasure having a chat. Is there any way you want people to connect with you online or any parting message you have for anyone that's listening? <laughs> I think it's just, you know, what we said before is just um, life goes on, mm-hmm. it, isn't it? And if you have that, if you have that mentality, then you'll be all right. This Succinct, too- but <laughs> yeah, this very powerful. Too shall, this too shall pass. <laughs> that's your catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not when I'm working, but I think it's become... <laughs> it can't be when you're working, no. No, that's uh, no challenge should be faced without a little charm and a lot of style oh well said my friend well mate thanks ever so much for coming along it's been a pleasure to catch up it's been too long and you um, appreciate it and we will we shall reconvene at some point yes yes take care chap. and you buddy <laughs>